This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. episode of nerd cave retro my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond so we got what five days till pensacon and the return <laughs> of defending bad movies and a nerd cave retro panel yeah we've got a a jam-packed weekend yeah pensacon starts on friday and i was just telling you before we started i'm doing um i'm moderating two panels on friday then saturday morning we have um, Nerd Cave Retro. After that, we've got Defending Bad Movies. And then I've got two panels I'm moderating after that, which one I'm actually really excited for. I mean, I'm excited for all the panels, but I get to do a panel with the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, nice. And, and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. What? <laughs> hey, it's it's called WWE Classics. So doing that one. And then I've got a couple I'm doing on Sunday as well. So going to be a jam-packed weekend, but it'll be fun. Oh, yeah, Joey Image in the chat room. He says, tell Honky Tonk Man he says hello. Will do. Absolutely. <laughs> we, should, we need to have Joey Image at, at Pensacon. We need to get him a table I know, he's here. Yeah, he's, yeah, absolutely. That would be fun. But I'm I feel like at... I'd, I I would have to moderate his panel. <laughs> like, no question about it. He could, oh, well, yeah. he could probably do his own panel, if I'm being honest. But, uh, but yeah, I can't wait, man. It's going to be a really good day. And if you're in Pensacola... Uh, this Saturday, the 25th of February, please come by and uh, see the panels. They start at 11 a.m. with our very own Nerd Cave Retro panel. And then at 1.30 is uh, Defending Bad Movies, which they will both be at the Wright Building in uh, downtown Pensacola. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've, uh, I've just about got the, the list made for this year's movie selection it gets tough because we've done three other mm -hmm. panels for, well really four if you count defending bad comedies so i'm trying to leave out ones that we've done already mm -hmm. it's not easy oh i know do you have I, a I've, list i was actually thinking about that today do you have so, a list of ones we've done already so i did not until today um so <laughs> i i went back and listened through the the episodes with the the panels on them and uh, yeah, I've just been kind of going from there. Mm -hmm. That sounds like work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just sit at a desk all day, so it's like, yeah. what else am I going to do? And work was pretty light today, so. And plus, we haven't had it in a couple of years, so I'm pretty sure there's been a couple of bad movies released in the in the last couple of years. Oh yeah, I've got. <laughs> uh, I, I'll say more than one DC movie is going to be on our list. Okay. One one uh, one very recent. Hmm. All right. I don't know. Well, I I haven't seen a lot of the DC movies lately, so oh, I may lucky have to you. make a pass if any of them get drawn. I I will. I'll give a couple away, just so you you know what to expect. 
Zack Snyder's Justice League is on the list. Okay. Which one? The the regular theater release or the... The, the, the Zack Snyder extended one. Okay, I only made the... it through half of it. <laughs> Even better. Um, let's see. Wonder Woman 1984 is on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Adam. That's the most recent one mm-hmm. that's on there. And, I, and the two most recent Halloween movies are on there because those movies are so divided. Ooh, yeah, that's going to be tough. So we'll uh, we'll have to see what happens, but um, it, it'll, it'll be really fun. And for those who can't make it, um, we're going to record the Nerd Cave retro panel for this show. And then Defending Bad Movies will air as an episode of the Derek Diamond experience. So you'll you'll still get to hear them and or uh, or watch them on the YouTube if you so prefer. And uh, if you don't know what Defending Bad Movies is, I, re- I did release uh, what was it? Episode 250 of the Derek Diamond experience as a special Nerd Cave Retro episode yesterday on this feed. So if this is your mm-hmm. very first time here and you don't know what Defending Bad Movies is, go back and uh, listen to that episode that I released yesterday, and uh, that'll give you a good idea of what Defending Bad Movies is about. We spent half that panel laughing, which was great. Joey Image says, Honky Tonk Man knows his name but calls him Houston because that's where they met. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll bring up Houston if uh, if I need to. So I, I'm he's been at Pensacon before, but I've never talked with him. Yeah. So I'm excited to actually get to have a conversation with him. See, the thing is, I'm such a huge fan of that era of wrestling, but I've never actually met any of the wrestlers. I need to remedy that. Yeah. I who all have I met? I, Sergeant Slaughter was at the first Pensacon, so I met him there. Mm-hmm. Um. Met Ric Flair several years ago. Oh, I did sort of meet Ric Flair, uh, me and Wally. You may have been with us where it was still in the the hotel right next door. And there used to be Mm -hmm. this bar in there. And after Pensacon that Saturday night, we went over to that bar and uh, noticed that we walk in and there's like this table just covered with women and we're like, who is at that table? And then it was like Red Sea Split, and we see uh, Ric Flair sitting there at the table. And <laughs> Wally turns around and goes, "Woo!" <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't with you guys, but I remember you—you you both telling me that story. That's so. It's the stories are true. That Flair is his character. Yeah, someone met <laughs> Ric Flair at a bar. No way. That's what Joey Image says. <laughs> Yeah, Pensacon is uh, a good place to meet celebrities because you can just run into them anywhere. I ran into Jake. Actually, I did meet Jake the Snake Roberts and tried to get mm-hmm. an interview with him. He was outside smoking a cigarette. So I yep. went up and was like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? He's like, sure. <laughs> Never got around to it, though. Yeah, that's unfortunately, that's a lot. That's how a lot of those situations go. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah, we'll do it. And then it never happens. But uh, but yeah, we got some news to get into. If uh, if you got anything else to throw out there for what's been going on this week, no, I think uh, I think I'm good. I just work's been really busy. Other than Same. that, just getting ready for for this weekend. So that's all I got going on. All right, well, let's go into the news, shall we? Let's do it. story you'd like us to cover send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com first story tonight is from nintendolife.com bill and ted's excellent retro collection just shadow dropped on the switch eShop. 
Bill and Ted fans are in for a treat. The Bill and Ted's Excellent Retro Collection Shadow dropped on the Switch eShop for $9.69. It was originally announced for Nintendo's hybrid system last year. It's described as a blast from the past and comes packed with the retro NES and Game Boy hits, uh, Excellent Video Game Adventure and Excellent Portable Adventure. Um, let's see, it's just both of those. Yeah, it's just those two games. And um, I, I will say this, I don't know if it's worth 969 because those games weren't very good. I love the name uh, Portable Adventure yeah. for the Game Boy. That's just such such good marketing. Um, yeah, I haven't heard really any kind words about the Bill and Ted games. So I don't know if I'll pick these up, but maybe I will one day when I have a little bit of extra money. But it, the price could be worse. I mean, I have the original NES game, Bill, Bill and Ted's Excellent Video Game Adventure. I reviewed it for the the show here. It's not good. It's it is an LJN game. So take that with oh with boy, how you will. If they were selling them separately, I might be tempted to get the Game Boy one. Now that one, I would that like so we could to complete try. the set. I never got yeah. to play that one. I've been playing so much Tetris. Ever since I got the the Game Boy, um, uh-huh. you know, Nintendo Switch Online, because it's like that's the version of Tetris I grew up with. Uh-huh. So I'm glad that they finally did an update. I know. Let's see. Also from NintendoLife.com, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto says other IPs like Splatoon were considered for Super Nintendo World, but it was easier to focus on Mario. Before Super Nintendo World decided on its Mario theme, there was apparently some discussion within the Japanese video game giant and Universal Studios about other Nintendo-themed IP being incorporated into the park. Speaking to Polygon, Nintendo's Shigeru Shigeru Miyamoto mentioned how Splatoon was one of the series considered outside of the company's key franchise, Super Mario. Nintendo instead decided to make this new venture easier by narrowing its focus on the lead mascot. Uh, Miyamoto also teased some other IP sprinkled throughout Super Nintendo World in the backdrop. Pikmin is one of the more notable sightings so far, which Wally was telling us mm-hmm. today that they have, uh, much like Disney World has the hidden Mickeys throughout the different parks, Nintendo has hidden Pikmin, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that's really, I didn't, I had no idea about that. That's really cool. But it could always be something that they expand upon later. Oh, yeah. You know, like Mario's the theme right now, but it'd be cool if it got to the point where they had like a Zelda section or a Donkey Kong section. A Splatoon section would be really cool because especially with with VR, you could do a really fun Splatoon game. I was going to say, isn't it basically just paintball? <laughs> just have a, yeah. a huge paintball section. Oh, uh, Joey says the Tetris movie looks awesome. I, was... I, I think so, too. I was going to say that I was going to mention that in a second because I felt really dumb because when they dropped that trailer, I thought it was going to be a movie about Tetris. Like, you know, I'd still watch that like an alien invasion, but they're like huge blocks that come out of the sky or something. So it would have been like pixels. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what I thought it was going to be. And then it was like, oh, it's about the guy that, you know, had the, like, it's about the rights to Tetris. Like, that's an interesting story. I think so, too. And Joey also says Cocaine Bear is now a video game. Nothing amazing, (laughs) but it's hilarious. I want to see that movie. I know. It comes out Thursday. Yeah, it looks wild, but it looks so fun. That that movie's going to be insane. I can't wait. (laughs) 
This uh, uh, next story is also from Nintendo Life. Metroid Prime Remastered physical Switch release has reversible cover art. While some retailers in North America only just launched pre-orders for the physical version on Switch, it seems others have already sent out the game to a number of customers. Users on Reddit have highlighted how how the hard copy comes with a reversible cover. On the main side, there's a classic Prime box art you know and love from back in the day. And on the flip side, you can see artwork that was featured in the Japanese announcement. Um, The physical release will be officially launched in the U.S. next week on the 22nd of February. Which is third two days and Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Yep, sweet wacky Wednesday. Yeah, I've been waiting for the physical release for this, and I after Pensacon, I'm gonna be picking this up mm. because Prime is arguably my favorite game in the entire Metroid franchise, and I can't wait to play it on the Switch. Yeah, I'm. I once I found out found out that there was a physical copy coming. That that's the one I'm gonna get. Yeah, because the, the box art is really cool, and it's like, you know, Metroid Prime's such a good game that there are some games that you got to have a physical copy of, and Metroid Prime is one of them. I hope the Super Mario movie does well so that we get a Metroid movie, too. But I want Metroid to be, like, rated R. I want it to be, like, alien, like, on the level of aliens. Yep. Metroid's got to be rated R, and I think it needs to be live action. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which, uh... I briefly saw this uh, the other day, but the Mario movie is only going to be an hour and a half. Really? And and that's including credits. You want to know something? I'm completely okay with that. You know why? Because I don't go to movies anymore because I can't sit in a theater for two and a half to three hours without having to pee at least four times. That's that's a fair point. But no, it's it's shorter than the first Sonic movie, and that one clocked in at I think like an hour thirty five or something like that. But th- this is I think an hour thirty two, which I mean, what extensive story can you tell with Mario? I mean, do you really need more than that? I mean, ninety minutes is what I think we should shoot for again for movies. And I, I know oh. the movie companies feel like they need to jam two and a half hours into a movie to get your money's worth. I need anywhere from 90 to 90 minutes to two hours is good. That's a good length of time for a movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm runtime or not. I'm still going to see it. So it's, yeah, I saw Joey's comment. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say I that. Was, on <laughs> I was going to, I was just going to breeze past that. Uh, maybe if we ever do nerd cave retro after dark, yeah. that can be our, uh, <clears throat> our lead story. I cannot say that word because I'll have to put a, uh, the the the, the big old tag. red e. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, he just wanted to hear the giggles. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so I know Rampage has been looking forward to to this story, or he yeah, will enjoy it. I'm sure. Uh, this comes to us from VideoGamesChronicle.com. Sega says Sonic Frontier sales greatly exceeded its expectations. Mm-hmm. In a Q&A with investors last week, Sega uh, Sammy Holdings Executive Vice President Motoko Takahashi uh, and IR slash SR General Manager, I don't know what those stand for, uh, Nobuaki Yoshi stated that despite the game's Metacritic score being lower than it had hoped, the game has sold better than it expected. At the time of its publishing, the game has metascores between 69 and 75 across its target platforms. 
During the Q&A, one investor noted that the average price of Sonic Frontiers hasn't dropped much since it was released and asked what the company's sales strategy was for the game going forward. Uh, in terms of the selling price, we temporary, temporarily held a sale on Black Friday as per our initial strategy, but have since returned to the previous price and have been able to achieve results so far while maintaining the price level to a certain extent. And I, I've mentioned this before, I haven't done a full review of it, but Sonic Frontiers is actually a much better game than I expected it to be. I had little to... <laughs> Red Page is not a fan. <laughs> uh, so I went in with low expectations because they... I can't remember what company made the Dark Brotherhood Sonic game for the 3DS, but they tried merging Sonic with the RPG format, and it was terrible. It was an awful game arguably the worst Sonic game that I've ever played. Hmm. So I was very nervous about incorporating the open world Breath of the Wild type deal into Sonic, but I think it works. There are things to be worked out. It's not a perfect game, but if they expand upon it and do more with this formula, I'm okay with it. it says, I actually think it was a good game. It says uh, Sega previously confirmed its roadmap for Sonic Frontiers DLC with plans to release three free content updates in 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of those will be, um, you'll be able to play as, I think, Knuckles, Shadow, and maybe Amy is the other one. It might be Amy or Tails, but you get extra characters, because right now you can only play as Sonic. But they've, they've been doing things where you could get different outfits, like you can get the special shoes that Sonic wore in Sonic Adventure 2, and you know other examples of that as well. So... And the second update will include Sonic's birthday, an open zone challenge, and new, and new Coco. Coco, yep. What is that? What is yeah, that Coco? So Coco are um, they're things that you collect to um, increase your like attack and um, uh, okay, and, and like defense and whatnot. Okay. Yeah, yeah and third update will add new playable story content and new playable characters. That's cool. Free content. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. There was something about I read. I was going to put in the news, but I didn't. But it was something about uh, Sega is um, giving raises to all their all their employees right now because things are going so well. So Good. let's hope that Sega is kind of clawing its way back to to the forefront. Maybe we'll start getting some more Sega content in the next couple of years. Not to mention that the price and everything has gone up. So it's good that they're yeah. giving their employees raises. Because we need to give me all the Sega content. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm okay with it. But uh, now, oh yeah, exactly. Dreamcast Mini. Give us the Dreamcast yeah. Mini, Sega. It's got to be their next thing. Absolutely. Uh, but now we're, it's time for This Month in Video Game History. <laughs> In February of 1982, Atari releases Haunted House for the 2600, which is later considered one of the first survival horror games. I had this game for the Atari 2600, and I had no idea how to play it. It's one of those Atari games where you have stuff to actually do. Like, it actually has a story. It has, uh, like, little things, like, quests you have to do and things to do. I had no idea what I was doing for this game at the time. 
I've never played this game, but it seems like one that just kind of throws you in and doesn't explain what to do at all. Yeah, it's like, I oh, just figure it out. It's kind of like Adventure, like one of those type of games where things like, you know, like that. And uh, Indiana Jones had a game, too, for the uh, the Atari 2600, where there, it was like it had an actual, like, you know, missions you had to do during the game in order you, you could complete the game. Like, that's that yeah. was one of the cool things about it. I would love a great Indiana Jones game. I know. I mean, It'll the Indiana so Jones game I played for the Super Nintendo was really good. I that's what I need is did you ever play the uh the original Xbox Indiana Jones game? I think it was called The Fate of Atlantis, I think. I did not. Um I I know of it and I remember when it came out, but I just I never got around to playing it. It was made out of the same game on the same game engine that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was on and it was same type of gameplay and it was awesome because you could punch people and it sounded like the indie punch the whip like his gun sounded like the gun it was so freaking cool i wish they would do that again because i mean it was basically like playing uncharted it was like an uncharted game so what i love about the the indiana jones stunt show they do at disney they'll yeah. play the the loud <laughs> the loud punch sound effect uh, so cool that that series just has such iconic sounds from the punching to the whips. The sound design is so good in those movies. You know, we should do uh, we're talking about Haunted House in the chat room right now. We should actually do a review of it. Do you have a way to emulate Atari 2600 games? Yeah, we should do that and see if we can actually play and finish the game uh, using a walkthrough, of course. Yeah. Because I don't okay. think there's any way to play that game without some sort of a walkthrough. Well, we haven't done a dual review in a long time. And we've never done an, an, an Atari 2600 game. Mm-mm. <laughs> you can emulate Atari on a freaking toaster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, yeah. Oh, uh, if I had an Atari controller, I would totally lay it next to my toaster and post a picture of it on Twitter. <laughs> I just don't want to play it with that stupid controller. I'd rather use like no. a mouse and keyboard or something. Yeah, that controller's bad. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's real bad. February 17th of 1984, Nintendo launches the initial version of the iconic boxing game Punch-Out. That was a really good, uh, great arcade game, which they then turned into a much different version for the, the regular Nintendo, but they kind of went back to the arcade version for the Super Nintendo version of the game. Yeah, I like the Super Nintendo version. I've actually never played the NES version of Punch-Out, but I like Super Punch-Out. Oh, I know it's it. The, I know I'm, I'm talking in the chat room right now. I know listeners are probably like, quite quit talking in the chat room. But like, yeah, I, I know the controller only had one button. That doesn't mean I, I still want to use it. It's still awful, <laughs> even though it only has a stick and a button. I'd probably still find a way to mess it up. Yeah, probably me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're up next. Oh, it's me. Sorry. Uh, February 6th of 1991, Capcom releases Street Fighter 2. For arcades, it becomes highly successful and is routinely listed listed as the grandfather of the fighting game genre. It is also credited with, credited with revitalizing the art, arcade game industry at the time and popularizing direct tournament level competition between players. I will go ahead and say probably the most perfect uh, fighting game ever made since here we are, what, 
32 years later, and it's still used for tournaments. I'm more of a fan of Mortal Kombat, as I've said on this show. But Street Fighter is probably a better game. Or Street Fighter 2 is probably a better game. I think it does hold up better. <laughs> Agreed. Like, I, I have more sentimental value attached to Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm, me too. But but in, in going back and, and playing them, because I, I reviewed Street Fighter 2 a while back, it plays better. And that's the thing. Like, you go back and, and look at those old Street Fighter 2 uh, arcade games, and they still look and play great. As much as I love Mortal Kombat 2, and I just, I dropped so many quarters in that game because it was at the restaurant that I worked at at the time, and that's all we did on our breaks was play Mortal Kombat 2. You go back and look, that game does not look that great. Mm-mm. No, it does not. Uh, let's see. February 2nd of 1994, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 is released for the Sega Genesis, which, of course, introduced Knuckles the Echidna to the franchise and is one of the most popular characters in the franchise to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. February 3rd of 2000, Capcom releases Resident Evil Code Veronica for the Dreamcast. I just did a uh, review of that not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I wish they would do a remake of that. I need a remake of that game. Uh, with the amount of remakes and remasters that are coming out, there's no telling. Like, it could it could very well happen. Because it's basically Resident Evil 2 Part 2, is what it is. Sounds like some Final Fantasy stuff. Resident Evil 2 too. Thank you for the subscription, Mr. Joey Image TV. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Shout out to Joey Image. And last but not least... February 14th of 2003, Nintendo releases the Game Boy Advance SP, an enhanced version of the Game Boy Advance. And I'm kicking myself right now because I still have my uh, NES edition of the Game Boy Advance SP, where the the pattern of it is patterned to look like an NES controller. Oh, that's and cool. I wanted and I wanted to show it to the the live audience and those that are watching on YouTube but I can't find it. And I played it a couple of months ago, but I have no idea what I did with it. But it still works great. I love the Game Boy Advance SP. It's one of my favorite handhelds because you can fold it and mm. it can easily slide into your pocket. And it's got a backlit one. screen. Uh, yeah, I want to get one so bad. I see them all the time, but I just, I never, I never have the money on me at the time when I find them because I usually find them for anywhere between 40 and 60 bucks which isn't terrible. And I should just go ahead and just pull the trigger and get one because I really want one. I wonder how much those NES editions are. Oh, no, you have to look up on eBay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I remember when that was announced, um, they came out with, I think, like a blue one and a red one. And then months later, they did the NES edition, and that was the one I got. That's cool. But it, it's it's a really, really cool system. I, I like the Game Boy Advance a lot. I'm I'm glad they finally added it to the, the Switch Online. Oh, I know. Which means that I can finally review uh, Minish Cap. Now they need to just give soon. us more games. Keep giving us games, Nintendo. I got so mad when they released the Game Boy because one of the games was Wario Land 3 that I just reviewed on the show. And I'm like, I could have been playing it on the Switch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's all good. But they, I mean, they dropped some good games on the that stuff. Let's just keep it coming, Nintendo. Don't stop p- 
putting stuff on there. Keep putting stuff on there every month. Just yeah, give us just what we want. Once once a month, that's all we ask. But uh, but that brings us to the end of this month of video game history. And before we go into the review, Derek, you want to do some shout outs? As always, we like to do our uh, we like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out our newest patron, Brian Piotrowski, which is an excellent baseball player name, uh-huh. by the way, if I do say so myself. Or hockey. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, John West, Daniel Salmon, Mr. Mike Eveland, which thank you for the uh, delivering my uh, coffee for me. I got some Nerd Cave Retro coffee. Yeah, I did too. I got some Really, this week. really good. So good. Really good. Yes, yeah, nice and smooth. It's got like the, it's, I don't want to go off on a whole tangent, but it's like the right balance of light and dark roast. Mm-hmm. Like it's not too light, it's not too dark. So it's, I, it's perfect. I got the whole bean so I could grind it myself. Oh, fancy. Yeah. I love it. Mr. Tyler Watson, Axeblade 07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mr. Joey Image himself and Mama Diamond Mama herself, Diamond. Donna Diamond. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions to keeping the lights on for us here at the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. Yep, there's uh, if you're watching on YouTube or in the chat, there's a fresh bag of Nerd Cave Retro coffee. So go get yours at brezcoffeeco.com. Use the promo code NCR to get 10% off your order. <laughs> Joe, uh, th- I got to stop reading what Joey's reading in the chat. Oh, God, what's he saying now? <laughs> Says, uh, real men fill their mouths with the whole bean and boiled water, then grind them with their teeth. <laughs> I'm not. I, of course. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, if that's what it takes, then you can just take every man card that I have. Yep, not doing that. Not. Not that I may or may not have had any to begin with, but that's okay. But uh, but but yeah, thanks to the patrons, we are back at that fifty dollar yes. level. So that means we gotta we gotta do a commentary track. Oh shoot! Soon. I need to put up a, a thing on Patreon. I gotta do a, a I gotta ask you and Wally what we're gonna uh, commentate on, and then put up a poll of what people want us to do. Okay, I was gonna yeah, do that we'll, this uh, week and I forgot. Yeah, we'll we'll um no we'll we'll get it done. But, uh, there's, yeah. there's still some time left. But yeah, if you want to head over to um, patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, just a dollar a month uh, gets you early access to those fun commentary tracks and other bonus content that we post as well. And uh, for new patrons, just send us your social media information, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout out. Hey, Derek, have you heard the news? What news? We officially have our very own line of coffee at brezcoffeeco.com. That's right. Nerd Cave Retro now has its very own medium roast coffee. If you want to try it yourself or even some of the other awesome flavors like Wizard's Potion, which is a butterscotch, caramel, and hazelnut flavored roast. Or the Dragon's Breath Roast, which is a cinnamon dolce flavored roast. They have tons of different flavors, and you can also just get a regular Colombian roast and add any flavor to it that you want. They even keep their seasonal roasts all year round. If you need that boost to get you through those all-night gaming sessions, then head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the promo code NCR for 10% off your order. And tonight, Derek will be talking about...
we were in sync there yeah. for those who were watching the video version. That's pretty cool. Yes, yeah, some uh, ominous music for what is a very vibrant and bright game. That's what I was gonna say. Like this has a very vibrant, almost looks like a kid's game. But then you got that music that's all like you know, like I don't like I, I picture like it just needs like some metal guitar in it, and it'll be you know some metal. Yeah, if there's not a metal cover of that, there should be. Oh, I'm sure there is. There's got to be. Yeah, there has to be. So I was having a tough time deciding on what to review for this week. Um, I've got a couple of games in mind, but I've been so busy with work and you know getting ready for Pensacon that I haven't had a ton of time to really sit down and play much. And the Genesis, you know, like the Genesis and the Game Boy Advance um, games, well, the Genesis was already available, but... I upgraded my uh, Switch Online where I could get access to the Game Boy Advance in 64 and Sega Genesis. I was scrolling through the Genesis games and I came across this game called Super Fantasy Zone. And what drew me to it was the the logo. It, it has a very like 60s psychedelic kind of look to it. So I'm like, okay, that seems kind of interesting. Never heard of the game. Had no idea what to expect. So I just kind of dove right in. And I'm like, you know what? I think this is going to be the game that that I review. So Super Fantasy Zone uh, was the last addition to the Fantasy Zone series of video games released for the Sega Mega Drive. And see, I didn't even know it was part of a series either. Like, I've never heard of this series before in my life. I didn't either, but I, I'm almost shocked they didn't spell it with a PH, though. I know, right? <laughs> that would have been, just made it over the top. That's such a Sega thing to do. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, the latter would eventually uh, receive the game in the form of a virtual console release on July 21st, 2008, making its debut in North America. It is also included on the Sega Genesis Mini and was re-released on the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack. So this game, it's kind of a, a freestyle shoot 'em up kind of game where it takes place in this uh, very vibrant world called the Fantasy Zone. And there actually is a storyline to this game. Uh, the game follows Opa Opa as he fights to avenge the death of his father, who was killed defending the Fantasy Zone against the invading Dark Minion. Opa Opa must rid the Fantasy Zone of the minions of the Dark Minion and restore peace. So this game isn't very long. Um, I think it probably take like 35, maybe 40 minutes to complete it plays very much like an arcade style game mm -hmm. uh, basically what you do and the levels are very short and what you do is you play as opa opa who is this basically like sentient spaceship with wings and feet and you fly through the small area and you have to um, destroy these pods that are spouting out um, enemies once you do all of that you'll do a boss fight and then you'll go on to the next map and you repeat the process. So the, the gameplay gets very repetitive uh, very quickly. Hence why I was thinking it's very much like an arcade style game and not like a console one. It's very um, much like a like a, a like a side scrolling shoot 'em up like R type, but it just seems very <laughs> cartoony and and lighthearted compared to the stuff that stuff like that like R type and Gradius things like that. Mm hmm. Um, the environment and the music, which you heard a, a sample of in the intro, I love the world and I love the music. 
the music is very fitting to whatever map you're in and the environment changes a little bit. So it's not like a carbon copy of what you're doing. Um, the music's very catchy. It can get stuck in your head. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the music from Bust a Move huh. as far as like the, the same type of instruments and the same kind of like, you know, happy, joyful kind of beat that you'll hear. Uh, the colors are very bright. It's almost something like out of a comic book or a storybook, which I really like because the um, I think the Genesis, correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like the Genesis captured these bright, vibrant colors a little more, like a little more better than the Super Nintendo did. Uh, well, I think the Super Nintendo could do more colors than the Genesis, or was it the other way around? Because I know one of them had a better sound chip. I think that, I don't remember which one was which. Uh, I can't remember. But I, <clears throat> I think it's the, the Super Nintendo had actually a higher color palette than the Genesis, but I think Genesis could pull off way more, like, um, I don't want to say blast processing, because that doesn't make, that wasn't real, but they could do way more, like, flash effects and things like that to make it seem more arcadey, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it had a faster but, processor than the Super Nintendo did. But I love the environment of this game. I like the world building. I like the storyline, which I think is really what surprised me the most. Um, there, there are a couple of things that are frustrating with the game, though. One that made me almost turn off the game immediately. So the game's not that hard, but you do have to constantly avoid fire from from enemy ships and things like that. Mm -hmm. Guess how many hits it takes for you to die? One. One. <laughs> That's most side-scrolling shooters, though. You only get like one or two hits before you die, and that's why I've never really been a big fan of side-scrolling shooters. You can increase the, the lives you get in the main menu. Like you start out with three, but you can go up to five. But the first couple of times I tried playing it, I couldn't make it out of the first level <laughs> because I would just get hit one time and then I would uh. die because that's that's my style is I just run in guns blazing and just fire as much as I can. So I'm like, well... This sucks. I'm going to have to actually be strategic with it. Yeah, because I, uh, I, I tried to play some Super R-Type uh, about a week or so ago, and um, I'm not good at that game. You, you only get you get hit once and you're dead, and I couldn't even make it out of the first screen. Yeah, that that's how I was for a while. I only made it to, I think, the fourth. Yeah, I made it to the fourth stage because the difficulty ramps up like crazy mm -hmm. when you get to the fourth stage. And that's another gripe that I have with the game is once you learn your strategy and you kind of learn the movements of the enemies and whatnot, it's not that hard to get through the levels. You just have to be very patient and, and smart with what you do. But it's like the level, the difficulty is normal ish through the first three stages. And then when you get to the fourth one, it's like the difficulty just ramps up like crazy. Yeah. And I couldn't get past it. Really? Yeah. No, it was just like, 
it was like the AI knew what I was doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, it was just like nothing that I would do would would work. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even get to the boss. I mean, I'm actually looking at some of the gameplay right now, especially I'm I'm watching some of the later later stage boss fights here. This mm-hmm. is insane. I, there's mm-hmm. no way I would be able to like get past this. Like I don't have the patience to do whatever it is this person's doing. Yeah, you go from fighting a uh, a giant jack o' lantern that spits out bullets to just wackiness. It's insane. Yeah, I, this is why I'm not a fan of side-scrolling shooters. You do get some cool upgrades. Like you, you start out with a basic, you know, you get like a double shot of bullets, and then you have your bombs that you can drop, which are actually really important when you're trying to destroy the pods, because your your main ammo isn't very powerful, but you can upgrade it. So like throughout the map, you'll see um, a balloon with the word shop uh, on it mm. and you fly up to it and you can upgrade your wings. You can upgrade your um, bombs, your turret. The only problem is when you upgrade your turret, it's only for a limited time. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So like you could get this. Uh, it's called a wide shot where this beam covers like a third of the screen, mm. but it only lasts you like 30 to 40 seconds. Mm. And then you go right back to your, your basic shot. That sucks. You should yeah, be able to so keep that. That. That's, just, <laughs> that's like I know. the I win button. It, if you were to lose it, once you got to the next level, I could accept that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you get this powerful weapon and like you can't even use it for the boss battle, yeah, is really annoying. So, do you even get to do any kind of like armor upgrades or anything to where you can take more than you know a hit or two? If there are, I don't know of them. Cause see, that would make the game a little better to me. Is uh, any kind of shooter like this, where if you could do some kind of armor upgrade to where you could take, you know, five, six. 10 hits before you die that would make the game so much more playable mm-hmm. i think so too because this is not a bad game it just has bad qualities yeah. like i like the gameplay of it like i i this is a game and and this is kind of like my overall summary of it i think it's a great game to play if you just want to sit down for like 20 minutes and kill some time yeah i think it's a great game to do that but it's not one that you're going to sit there for hours because like to me, the whole dying once and the obnoxious difficulty, like it, it turned me off to it, but uh, it's not a bad game though. Well, looking at the long play here, the, the time on this long play is it starts roughly about a minute in and ends around the 32 minute mark. So roughly about 30, if if you were to play the game all the way through without dying, it would take you 31 minutes to get through it, roughly. Seems like an arcade game, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a quarter, yeah, and there, there's, it's a... No, there's no reviews for, um, for Super Fantasy Zone in the, the Wikipedia article. I did look at a couple, uh, there was one on Nintendo Life and one on IGN, and they both gave it high praise, which I, I don't hate the game i just think it could be better yeah but it also kind of reminds me of why i don't normally play games like this 
mm-hmm. because they frustrate me. That's the thing. People who love shooters will, you know, talk so highly of games like, you know, like R Type and all those, the you know, UN Squadron games like that. They talk so highly, you know, especially the, um, the Turbo Graphic sixteen was was a very had a lot of shooters on that system, and that's what people love that system for. And I, I think, you know, people like that will give it high praise, but, you know, people like us who didn't really play those type of games growing up and aren't really our thing, it's kind of like, I don't want to die just once. Like, I'm not good at that type of stuff. It's, it's like the Silver Wait. Surfer game where, like, I can barely get five seconds, I can't even get five seconds into that game without dying. I want to review it. I've tried playing that game over the last couple months at several times, and I literally cannot get past five seconds in the game. I can't get past it. See, I like a good challenge, but you got to be reasonable. <laughs> yeah. With the difficulty, man. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, as far as like a number score that I would give this game, as I mentioned, there are things that I like about it. I like the look of it. I like the music. I like that there's a storyline. The power-ups are cool. I just wish that they were more permanent. Yeah. And I wish there was a little more balance to the game. So I... Hmm. I'll give it... I'll give it a four and a half. Okay. I'll give it slightly slightly below average. That's not a bad score. I mean, for something you've never it, played, uh, you know, a, a genre that you're not very versed in i mean you know yeah you can't expect people to give it a high high score if you die immediately upon playing the game like you gotta like ease people at least have a a difficulty setting you know easy medium and hard not just hard so i i think and that's the thing is that i was playing it on normal and that and the difficulty got increased i I'm, i'm convinced that it increased from normal to hard and if you were to start it on easy mode, you would go from easy to normal. Yeah. And you'd go from hard to ain't no way you're getting past this level. <laughs> That's why I haven't. And we've we've said it on this podcast before. Like, why why don't we do more side-scrolling shooters? This is exactly why. Neither of us are just, good just did one. at these type of games. Like, I've, like I said, I've tried to do... Grotty, I've tried to play Gradius and Super R-Type and UN Squadron games of that type, and I am so not good at those type of games. Yeah, I think for my next review, I'm just going to do something that's a little more in my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> but uh, the next review we have is this Saturday. Yeah. And we're going to be doing some Goldeneye for the Nintendo 64. We- I'm just going to say this isn't defending bad Goldeneye. <laughs> it might have to be because I'm not finding very much to enjoy about that game now. Yeah, I I started it on the Switch. Yeah. Yeah, after, it's, it's a game. After 25 years and then going back to that game after all the advancements we've made in the last quarter century... Whoo, that game does not can, hold up well. You can still appreciate it for what it is and what it's done. But there's a reason why it was made in the 90s. 
Yeah, if I put on my 1998 goggles, yeah, it's it's a great game. But you put on 2023 goggles, and it's whew, it is. Yeah, that is a rough game to go back and play again. Those controls on the Switch, and I and I know that they're the same. Or if you use uh, whether you're using the Switch or you know, a Nintendo 64 controller, those controls are garbage, garbage. Yep. And you can't change them. You can't change them. Why? I don't want to uh, shoot with the left trigger. Who shoots with the left trigger and controls the character? People who play Goldeneye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to shoot with the right trigger and control w- with the left stick. Why are you making me do both with the same hand? Uh, we're we're going to have a... We're going to have a lot to dissect oh, yeah. on Saturday. I, why am I doing this now? We need to save this for Saturday. Well, there, I'm sure there's plenty more we can say. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, is there anything else uh, to about Super Fantasy Zone before we end this episode? No, I'll just say if you're a fan of these types of games, if you haven't played it, I would check it out because there are fun elements to it. Yeah. But it's it's just not my thing. Uh, I don't know if the panel is going to be filmed. Joey was asking. Yes, they the will be. Room. Will be okay. They cool. will be. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Yep, they'll be on YouTube and all your finer podcasting outlets. Awesome. But yeah, I might go try this out on the the Switch. Uh, I won't be able to tonight because tonight's podcast night. But uh, I'll I'll jump into it and play a little bit this week and and see what I think about it. But I have a feeling I'm going to have the same the same opinion about it as you do. I think you will too. But, uh, but that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. And uh, before we go, I just wanted to say, send us your voicemails. Go to anchor.fm slash nerdcaveretro, and you can send us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show, or you can just uh, do a little voice thing in your phone and email it to us, nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We'll play that, too. Play whatever you want right here on the show. Just no cursing. No cursing, and keep it below 30 seconds. Because I know if, if Tyler Watson sends us one, it'll be like three minutes long. So he'll be correcting us on everything and correcting Wally at the same time. That'd be the whole show. <laughs> but uh, but that brings <laughs> us uh, to, well, let's go ahead and tell people uh, one more time. Uh, tell people th- what's going on this Saturday and what time and the where's. Yep. So starting on Saturday, February 25th at 11 a.m., we will have the Nerd Cave Retro Panel with myself, Jason, and Wally, where we will be discussing Goldeneye. That will be at the right place, room number three. And then just a couple of hours after that, we'll be in right place, room four at 1.30. We'll be defending bad movies with myself, Jason Wally and hopefully Julio Diaz will be able to make it. I don't know if he's going to be able to because he's an admin for Pensacon, yeah. so his schedule's pretty busy. But sure if he can make it, around. he'll be there. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be running around like a chicken with his head cut off that day. Oh yeah, yeah. But if if he can make it, he'll be there. So he, I've I've talked with him about it, and he said if he can make it, he'll be there. So hopefully he will be. Um, but yeah, those both those panels will be recorded. Um, the Nerd Cave Retro panel will air as next week's episode of the podcast. And then uh, Defending Bad Movies will air as next week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. Speaking of Derek Diamond Experience, what's going on this week? So I got a uh, a nice little surprise late last week. I got to interview a legendary actor, Eric Roberts, 
who has been uh he's probably most notably known for the dark knight but he's been in a ton of movies and shows he's got over 600 imdb credits it was a great interview too i was i was really proud of you for that interview Oh, I appreciate it. No, it was it was one of those, and I'm sure you know it too. Like you could tell within like ten seconds if an interview is going to be good or not. Yeah. <laughs> and with how nice he was, I'm like, okay, this is going to be easy. But uh, yeah, that episode is out on. Uh, I released that this past Thursday on YouTube and uh, the podcast feed. For this week's episode, is a little bit of a deviation from the film and TV discussion. I got to chat with legendary author Kevin J. Anderson. If you read Star Wars books in the '90s. You know of two names. You know of Timothy Zahn, and you know of Kevin J. Anderson. He wrote the Jedi Training Academy trilogy, oh, yeah. um, among many others. Uh, he's also wrote books for um, X-Files. Um, he wrote a really good Superman book called The Last Days of Krypton. That's really, really good. So that interview's up now. Both of them will be a guest at Pensacon this upcoming weekend. So you can go check that out, linktree.com slash Podcast. And go check out the Open Micers podcast with me and Mr. Jacob Craig. Uh, we Last week's epi- episode got pushed to yesterday, and we did it last night and released it last night. So it's very fresh in the feed. Uh, we talked to TV writer and showrunner Michael Jamin, who is known for um, King of the Hill, uh, Just Shoot Me, Beavis and Butthead, uh, Tacoma FD, like all these great television shows, got to pick his brain for about 45 minutes last night about how to be a, a writer for a TV show and how to break into the business. So it's, it was a really informative episode. So if, you, if you're used to the wacky, you know, you want the wacky open micers experience, that wasn't it. Last night was an actual for real interview with a serious television person. So it was very informative. So if you're interested, I'll have to check in, that out. If you're interested in writing for television, please check that episode out. It was uh, very, very informative at Open Micers Twitter and Instagram. So anything else before we leave this evening? No, I think that'll be it. Let's go ahead and walk out the door. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Nerdcaveretro.com is our link tree that includes our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our Patreon, and of course the merch shop, which you can get to by using ncrmerch.com. And we have t-shirts, mugs, bags, magnets, whatever your nerdy heart desires. So go check that out at our merch shop. Follow us on social media at NerdGaveRetro, at JakeMunkTastic, and at Derek underscore Diamond. And also, please leave us a review and or a five-star rating on all podcasting platforms. So I think that's going to do it for this week. Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. And we will see you guys this Saturday. I love the power glove. It's so bad.